0: Maybe I'll take this as an opportunity of being back here. Can you also let me know what else you guys are working on? No.
1: Uh, yeah. <laughs> nope. <laughs> I see in their eyes. Yeah. There's some there's some closed doors for a reason, but yeah, mm-hmm. I'll, always working on something and having fun with it. And, and as a, as I was describing before, I think that's one of the coolest luxuries of. Uh, being an employer and being in the engineering department is that we have that fun ability to to tinker and play around with ideas and concepts, um, even on the side of, of our production bikes. And so we're constantly doing that and having fun with it.
0: Hey, Yeti Nation, Marty here back with an exciting new episode, one that you've all asked for based on your feedback you wanted to hear from the engineering department at Yeti Cycles. Well, with a new bike underway, Yeti saw it as a perfect opportunity to accept me in, and finally we've done our first in-person interview. Right before the launch I was accepted into that highly coveted NDA protected and super secret division of Yeti HQ. Yeah that's right inside the new engineering division at headquarters. I sat down with Rocket the product manager along with Stretch the director of engineering. Timing for this is what makes it so cool because not only is this a new bike Yeti is launching into a completely new category. That's right the e-bike game. And true to Yeti form, it took a long time to get it right. And from this conversation, you'll learn just part of the pieces that it all takes for it to come together. On this episode, Rocket explains how the new bike is set up with wheel size and suspension. And to true Yeti brand, the design direction is race driven, but how that translates as a benefit to the average consumer. I also tried my best not to sound like a complete idiot, keeping up with the genius mind of stretch. He explains what it took to package this whole new linkage system, which is called the Sixfinity, meaning a six bar linkage. Heads up, we actually get super technical later in the podcast. It's been a long time coming, but sometimes it takes time to make time. So let's dive into it. Well, this is exciting because I had to, you know, basically walking in the front door here, this this is the new Yeti Engineering HQ, is that correct? Yep. So you guys have two large bodyguards in the front entrance. (laughs) I had to like go through about three, four hours of screening before being allowed, let in. Mm -hmm. But this is like, people aren't allowed to come
2: in here. Is that right? No, this is our black box.
1: Yeah, a bit of a secret zone for sure. (laughs) Yeah. Sometimes people accidentally come in, but we try to make that not happen. So,
0: talking to the engineers, talking about product, that has been the most requested podcast. So is that coming in with a lot of, like, I've talked with, like, Richie Rue, Jeff Kabush, but no, people want to talk to what's going on behind the scenes. You guys
1: excited about that? Yeah, I guess a win for the nerds. I'll, I'll take that.
2: Yeah, I, I am not an engineer. So let's get that out there. Stretch is the engineer. He's the big brain.
0: So I'm joined today with Ryan... Thorn Thornberry, is it? Am I saying Thor, that right? Thornberry,
2: yeah, but Ryan no Thornberry. one knows that name. Okay. Yeah. What do people know you by, Ryan? Uh, my name is Rocket. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> at Yeti. <laughs> and Rocket, you are the
0: product manager of Yeti. Is yep, that right? That's correct. Okay, and also joined by.
1: Peter uh, Zawazowski. <laughs> That's close enough. That's perfect. But what do they call you? Uh, Stretch here. So yeah, I rarely get called my real name here. So yeah, kind of live two lives—one is my real name, and one is Stretch here at Yeti. So Stretch, you've been with Yeti for years. So what's what's the background with that? Cause I think this is really cool. Yeah, you know, it's. I guess I started in two thousand and four, so um, I guess I'll try to go as short as possible. But the um, yeah background there is I uh, worked at REI actually in high school, so I was I worked in the bike shop there. What department? Uh, <laughs> in action sports. Action if sports. If anyone's worked at REI before, <laughs> so um, yeah, worked there, and, and uh, while I was in the bike shop there, I met some really good friends um, during that time. Um, uh, both of these two people that i met at that at, at rei ended up working at yeti so long story short I worked at, at rei in high school um, and then I went off to uh, cu boulder to go to school um, and then at that time one of my good friends at rei uh, chad eskins who uh, works at dt actually now <laughs> yeah. um he ended up being the uh, getting a job at yeti as a, as a demo guy so Um, that was sort of the the initial in at Yeti and I um, one day got a call when I was at school from Chad and he's like hey um, we need someone in in the back at Yeti to to help assemble and do whatever uh, whatever they need Um, would you be interested in and of course uh, you know for for me uh, Yeti's always been just an amazing brand and I've always been I never could actually own a Yeti Um, as a kid I I had uh, you know Yeti t-shirts and all the stuff that was relative to Mountain biking, just because it was a, a brand that I loved, um, and so yeah, it was like super exciting just to have that, that opportunity. So, um, started working in the back at back yeah 2004. Um, so I was doing <laughs> assembling bikes, and at the time we were manufacturing frames, alloy frames here in house. Um, so I was you know whether I was literally stamping serial numbers on the frames, or threading BBs, or reaming head tubes, or C tubes, um, or assembling the bikes. Um, whatever I needed to do in the back is basically basically what it was. Um, and at the time there was I think. Less than 10 of us back then. So, mm-hmm. um, 10 d- employees total. Ten, for yeah, Yeti. yeah, I think, yeah, it was, yeah maybe I was like eight or nine or something like that. <laughs> I forget exactly. But um, so basically, I did that during uh, breaks of school. So, uh, in the summers and the winters, any any break from school, I'd, I'd be at Yeti. Yeah.
0: Um,
1: and then that eventually kind of led to a, a couple projects at, at Hoog. So, um, one of the owners um, yeah. of Yeti as well basically uh, kind of tasked me some engineering projects, um, which also kind of correlated to the, some of the, my classes I was doing. Some of the projects I had oh, to do for school, cool. so I kind of could do two at once where I was doing a project for school, but also mm-hmm. for Yeti. So um, that's kind of what led, uh, led to be where I am now. So what is your title now? Uh, director of, of Engineering. Pretty badass. Stretch. <laughs> from
0: Warehouse? Yeah, yeah, yeah. From, from Warehouse, uh, 10 employees. And now it's like how many people work in the engineering department here?
1: You know, I always have to count them out. So there's, uh, I believe, five of us. I should, I should know that by now. But um, So we have uh, two other engineers. Um, I should say, sorry, three other engineers. Uh, an industrial designer and also a, an engineering tech. Okay. So the reason why we're meeting is, uh,
0: I mean, maybe the best way to put it is not only do we have a new bike coming out, we have a new category coming out. So Rocket, this is where it comes in from you. Like, um, mm. this is... What's the story behind this? How did... I mean, Yeti's a little bit late to the game, but how did it come to be to make an e-bike?
2: Yeah. The, the e-bike has been something we've always had our eye on. I mean, we've, we've really like kind of like stepping away and just looking at the whole... how things change when you're going to put a battery and a, and a, a motor on a bicycle frame. Mm-hmm. And like... W- what changes? Because it's completely different compared to the demands of what you need out of your bike, are completely different compared to a, a standard pedal bike. So, like the pure nerdy engineering challenge of like how can we do this and make it the best riding bike out there, and then just not there, but let's take it to the elite level and race the damn thing. Yeah. So it's that was probably the coolest thing that. Um, the way we approached it and the way it came out i mean i think it really speaks to the intent that we started with translated through the whole process okay and i mean we started I mean, we had a we had an alloy mule built up back in 2016. Yep. um so obviously designed and engineered before that so we i mean it's one of the things that's just like finally seeing this and getting <laughs> it out there has been a lot i mean a long time coming so it's super cool to to finally get it out there and, and get people's opinions. And I mean, we all love it. The thing rides so well.
0: But here's the thing about the design. Um, Stretch, you were around when with this, this um, Switch Infinity, obviously that was a big part of the Yeti brand, and that was like a lot of traction with that. Both, oh, both kinds, actually. <laughs> About it. <laughs> no pun intended. So all the bikes coming out recently had a Switch Infinity piece to it. And I was, I was kind of sounded like an idiot because I looked at when I first saw this bike, we were we were checking it out a
1: couple months ago, and it's like, well, where's the Switch Infinity piece? But this isn't this is entirely new, right? Entirely new. Yes. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of attributes that we that we took from Switch Infinity. Um, but that was, as Rocket was mentioning, um, you know, a big part of it was. You know first when we when we looked at e-bikes or looking to do an e-bike was you know one the first question was how are they different you know and how do we need to uh to look at the design differently and to optimize for for an e bike and then the second obvious thing is is packaging so um, you know you have a motor you have a battery all of a sudden some some pretty precious uh real estate for for pivots is are you know are now no longer there um and so we knew at, at that time we wanted to okay, one address the first question so how are they different yeah um, and so you know, there's some obvious differences. One, you know, they, they weigh more. You have a motor and you have a battery. Um, and then obviously you have more acceleration. You have a, a motor to help to assist you. Um, so those are the two primary differences that led us to, you know, how are we going to approach the dynamics of the bike differently, which then leads to how do you, um, different, you, know, how do you design the, the linkage differently to actually adhere to those new dynamics that you're after. So
0: Yeti's always been sort of race specific
1: forward.
0: <laughs> and so this isn't just an e-bike. This isn't just something you pick up. Um, but th- do I have that right? The design for this is race-specific as well.
2: Yeah, but don't. I mean, you look at all of our past platforms. We look at the rail technology um, back on, what was the original? 303. 303. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the Switch, and then yeah. Switch Infinity, and now Sixfinity. We're all designed and developed and launched on are like enduro race bike back in the day. yeah. And so that's what we took here too. Like we wanted this to be a race bike and we worked with the race team specifically to figure out what their needs are. Yeah, Had a bunch of bikes to play around on and, and just figure out what's in the market and understand how like Stretch was saying that, that added torque and the, the assist changes what you need out of a, a, a bike and the, just the whole system in general and, and with the added mass. And yeah, just the whole development process of getting it
1: it's really the perfect proving grounds, right? So we have you know, some of the best athletes in the world and some of the toughest yeah. train and races in the entire world. So um, for us, it's always, you know, we start there and anything that we can uh, learn from that situation and then the product that is actually able to withstand that situation, uh, we know it's going to trickle down to, to the end consumer. And that's, that's always why we, we start with the race. Well, I can relate to that because my first bike was a 150
0: and it was mm-hmm. like very clear with the branding. It's like, this is an Enduro specific bike. And my mindset going in was like, okay, yeah, I'll do a couple races, but I definitely want to have something that can can beat around. Um, but then all of a sudden, the 150 actually climbs quite well and is actually a well-rounded bike, and it's like it was quite eye-opening to me. And is that what people, the consumer is going to find with this new e-bike? Is it's like, yeah, it's designed for race. I mean, this is kind of a stupid question, but this is going to be enjoyable for the average rider.
2: Yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I mean we we, and that's the way we've always done it, right? As you touched on, like we've always designed bikes for the the yeah. world class athletes. But that doesn't mean like they're so niche that uh, that no one else can ride on them. I mean, they ride good no matter who you are. Yeah, and it's especially with the added assist. Like you know, you kind of need to be fit to to ride a a bike at elite levels, and that's where the the Drive unit like helps that out a bunch, Mm -hmm. like it'll get you up the hill, but going downhill, like there's a there's a cutoff speed that we hit above that pretty quickly. Okay, so you still need a really really well riding bike, without the motor. Yeah. So that's that was I mean going to the ground up like that was one of the things that we need to establish like we didn't want to slap a a motor and a drive unit on any old frame just because like you just need an e-bike to fill a category we don't fill categories Mm -hmm. like if you look at our line there's tons of holes in it that we don't address because we don't feel like um either we have the resource or we or we want to be in that space or we can't add have that unique yeti feel to everything like Mm -hmm. and that was one of the things with the e-bike is how do we make it yeti and that's why we took so long. It took a ton of time (laughs) to figure that out because you had to understand everything about it. And then, you know, we have our requirements of that like just classic Yeti feel. Yeah. And how does that translate into an e-bike?
0: So how, I want to ask how you test, like how is the process? It took this long, who's involved? What's the testing grounds like? What does that look like?
1: Yeah, I, mean, I think it first starts with theory um, and then obviously those, those theories are tested, but there's there's quite a bit of work on our end and the, on the back end to uh, just try to, to come up with theories as to what we think is happening, how we can solve them mathematically, um, and then test it out. So we you know start with a the theory, build something ride it, get feedback, and, and and basically prove out whether your theory stands or not. And um, we were always doing that constantly, and we're always learning uh, every single time. So it's, uh, it's, it's a process over the years where we're evolving and we're taking the knowledge that we that we had from the past. So, for instance, there's a lot of elements on Sixfinity that are taken from Switch Infinity, um, mm-hmm. but not all of them. Um, and that's done on purpose because we, again, have different theories on how the bike would need to ride with a, between an e-bike and a, and a pedal bike, um, or whatever you want to call it. Um, and so I'd say, I think it, maybe Rocky could take it from here. But um, that's where it all starts. And then we have this feedback loop between theory and physically testing and then going back in a circle until we get it exactly right. Yeah, 100%.
2: Like it, all of our historical stuff really informed where we ended up here mm-hmm. and getting out there and trying them out because it is a brand new category. Like yeah. we don't, we, we have the history of designing bikes, but it's such a unique version of a bike yeah. <laughs> that we had to learn a lot. Um, and we, we definitely develop product, like I'm the product manager, but we have a, a huge group that we make the decisions based around. Okay. Um, and that's, I mean it involves everybody. Like Chris and Hoog, the two owners, they're in that. Um, Nat, director of sales and product, myself, Stretch, a couple other engineers, um, sales, like dim, I mean, we have Jared Graves. Jared Graves, <laughs> it, yeah. a little yeah. uh, house note. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we, I mean, it's the development oh, no, it process is. definitely is a whole. I mean, that's one of our successes because we have. I mean, we sit in there and just yell at each other, and it's like at the end we end up with an amazing product. But mm-hmm. it's because we have all these voices coming from different angles, from race, from sales, from just everyday guy, from all of our ambassadors, um, that we get this product brief in the end and we hand it off to stretch Yeah, and stretch. I mean, we have all this information before we go into that meeting and then we have a bunch of information to go out and we're like, here, stretch, here's the pile of things we want. <laughs> and he'll disappear with, with his crew and say, okay, that makes sense. we can do that. You guys are crazy. Like, here's the thing we need to look at tweaking, or how do we adjust this? And, and then it's just iterative. And we just start to evolve and evolve and evolve. And eventually we get to a point where we have a product, and um with the e-bike we actually were able to build our own prototype okay because that is it's i mean with carbon fiber we only make carbon fiber bikes um to to cut a whole set of tools to make a single frame yeah is not a quick or cheap (laughs) process it takes a lot of time to develop all the surfaces everything you want to go into it um get a tool get a layup you want to ride Mm -hmm. like that's tested and we can go out there and prove out a concept and um, once it's proven out then you basically start all over and actually make production quality stuff where you you want to or tweak things and then start over again so it's 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 a really long process so that's where the history um, that we have designing bikes really speeds that up in a way because we can look at our
1: database of everything and say okay here's what i'm feeling here's what we can do I think to add to that too, I think we have really two distinct workflows on how we develop. So the one that Rocket just mm-hmm. described is, you know, when we have a, a product in- intent and we know what we want to design, that's our, our general feedback loop. But we also have the luxury here at Yeti that I think is fairly unique, especially in the engineering world, um, where we have sort of this side ability to just tinker. Um, and we're playing around with ideas or mm-hmm. concepts and <laughs> oftentimes building complete bikes that are carbon um, that will never ever hit production. So we're opening tooling just to try out this concept. and. We do that a lot, we've done that several times, and it's one of those things that's just having that luxury and the support from from the owners to be like, all right, here, here's this money that we're gonna invest, we're never gonna really see anything back other than knowledge, and that Whoa. eventually leads to, to the products and innovations that we have down the road is that ability to constantly play around with a product that we're not necessarily gonna take to market. Um, and so that, that again, that knowledge really feeds what we're and what we end up doing for a final product.
0: Stretch, does it drive you nuts when people compare an older model with a newer one? Like, this is, this is like the new version of the SB 5.5. 5. Or would you say that, that this bike. thing is like, <laughs> yeah, that was a great bike. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> would, would, would it be a stupid question to ask? How would you relate
1: this to
0: what's currently in the line?
1: Well, i'd say this one's a little bit tough because there's there's a lot of new parameters right so (laughs) there's uh obviously the motor and the battery oh so this (laughs) is easier to climb okay i think i'm
0: starting to understand (laughs) this yeah
1: and the suspension but like if you if you don't count this particular bike then i think that's a totally fair question and it's a question that we are always trying to answer ourselves and and make sure that we're improving so if it wasn't this particular bike uh i'd say 100 percent fair so you're comparing an sp55 to a 130 or 150 or whatever um you know our, our goal is to always improve and to learn from that last bike and and, uh, you know, the truth on our end is that the, the second a bike comes out, we're, you know, we're pretty much, I just a, kind of acknowledge all the things that I want to change or the things that I wanted to do differently or, or could be better. So, <laughs> yeah. uh, instantly, you know, we've seen a bike for a couple of years <clears throat> when it's out in the market and yeah. by the time it, it, it's on the market, I'm like, man, I, we want to do all these different things differently. We've learned this or whatever it is. And so that's, that's our drive is we're always, <laughs> that, yeah. you know, it's never good enough. And I we have to
2: force ourselves <laughs> on launch day to take a day and be like, congrats, like yeah look at what we did because yeah. I mean we're on the next whatever projects however many years ahead and it's like oh yeah we we did that we did that two years ago yeah. <laughs> I'm not gonna get to
0: that but I'd love to know what else is coming out because it's like oh <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly.
2: No, yeah yeah. well no, guys I
0: can relate to that because it's like I think about painting a wall like you know I in my own house I can see the imperfections of the wall but nobody else they roll in and it's like yeah. oh that's a beautiful colored wall this is a beautiful colored space do you find that when you see an old bike or this bike coming, you know, bike coming out, there's like it's not quite there. What do you think about this one? What do you yeah. think about
1: the bike? What, what about this particular bike? Yeah. <laughs> What's <Well>, uh, <yeah. laughs> wrong with it? Well, that. I was going like, to the past, <laughs> but yeah. I mean yeah, well, one going back to the past, yeah. I mean instantly I I that's you look at old bikes, you're like, man, that like what were we thinking or whatever it is, like you're always i i I have a hard time not finding the things that i want to change instead of the positive things but again to the consumer it's always great to see like when they see it for the first time or they're riding for the first time everyone is super pumped and excited and we just keep that cycle going but yeah but yeah no i mean i I think on this particular bike on the on the 160e the, the amount of effort um you know, into what we're doing, kind of a nerdery on the back end of how the bike is performing. Um, you know, structurally, aesthetically, there's a lot of effort, and in the team, the engineering team as a whole. Just you know, a shout out to those guys as as, as one of our first kind of bigger projects as a as a larger team. Um, remote, and remote. Also, <laughs> yeah, yeah, we had COVID interesting yeah. yeah, COVID hit. You guys, super so deep designed, in development. Um, yeah. But you know the the what we were able to do as as a as a small team is is pretty incredible and and um, when I look back at um, you know when our team was smaller or it was just myself mm-hmm. and then what we we're able to accomplish with a, with a bigger group and a really talented group of people it's it's pretty amazing to see so uh, you know at the moment I haven't reached that point on on this particular bike like, hey, <laughs> that was bad a good things. Test. <laughs> uh, but uh, I'm sure in time it, you know that's yeah. inevitably inevitably what happens is you're like oh man I'm gonna I'm gonna change this and and uh, but for the moment. Um, pre-launch day, I'm still excited. <laughs> <laughs> that was a good task.
0: <laughs> All right, let's start getting a little technical. And, and this is where it's my weak point. I'm not going to know how to ask the specific questions. Yeah. But how I want to start with this is, well, exactly that. How do you start with an e-bike? Where Where is the core? How do you build from there?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think the first, from the very beginning, it was that first question, right? So how is a, an e-bike different than a, I'm going to change the name every time, yeah. a pedal bike or a traditional bike. I guess analog, but whatever you want to go <laughs> acoustic. with. Acoustic. Um, acoustic. Some of them I'm not a huge fan of, of the terminology, <laughs> but oh, I'm just going like to say that. traditional. Yeah. yeah. It's
0: acoustic electric. Acoustic.
1: So we hit on a couple, right? So we know that the weight is different. So um, with really I attribute that to how we're going to change the kinematics um, in order to, to change the dynamic behavior of the bike when you're braking or when you're decelerating, because that added mass makes a big difference. Um, the next thing is, you know, how is it pedaling or yeah. the dynamic property of, of say, anti-squat. And so we know in this situation that um, I, I kind of like tend to think of it in extremes. So you have a, a pedal bike, normal bike, and you're really limited by power, right? You're, you can't you can only put so much power yeah. out as a person. And then on, say, maybe the extreme opposite end of like a true moto, um, you're not limited by power, you're limited mm-hmm. by traction. So you sort of have these two polarizing extremes of, of maybe how to go oh, yeah. about uh, oh, yeah. designing a bike. And an e-bike is really interesting, where you're sort of a little bit of both, right? You you have motor uh, a motor and you have the, the power there. Um, it's not fully unlimited, um, but you're also pedaling, and so it's this unique situation. I, I kind of relate it to like like an enduro bike compared to when we were yeah. had like a cross country bike and a downhill bike. Where okay, all of a sudden we have an enduro bike where it needs to climb really well and just gotta really do well. it all. And so it's it's a tougher challenge on an engineering side to do two very drastically different things. And so um, you know, In this case, on say on the anti-squat situation, we know that we uh, um, basically get away with a little bit lower anti-squat, so we, we want to lower that magnitude of anti-squat, and that's because we want to bias that particular curve, and we'll get into some nerdery later, um, <laughs> we'll but we want bad. to bias that curve to a- aid in traction because we're not trying to eke out every single ounce of efficiency and stability that we can that we are with the pedal bike because you, again, yeah. are limited by your, your own power. Yeah. Um, so what we're trying to do is, uh, yeah, again, bias that particular um, dynamic response mm-hmm. to um, to traction. But at the same time, we know we've learned a ton about pedal bikes, and we know how they behave, and we know what we're looking for for that particular, for that particular anti-squat curve, where we have, you know, say a higher anti-squat where you're pedaling, and then we want it to drop off later in the travel, where you don't really necessarily want to have uh, you know the chain extension, extending the the frame to yeah. support you. You want to really decouple that force and have um, you know that freedom for the swing arm to move. And so, basically, on the the thought there, off of that logic, is to have a very similar shape of the anti squat curve. So mm-hmm. again, it's a non linear curve that's um, basically peaking at about sag. So we have a big band of high anti squat about a large uh, range of travel about sag. So I said that strangely, but. You're not pedaling exactly mm-hmm. at sag all the time, so you're, yeah. you're undulating in the travel depending on where you, depending on the train where your your weight is and so on. So we want to make sure we have a stable anti-squat band about sag, not just right at sag. And so that was that's really kind of the key in what we're we're trying to achieve. And then after that point, that, that's even more important with an e-bike because you think about with the added yeah.
0: assist,
2: how much more seated pedaling and smashing through things. Yeah, you do. So that that wide flat band about sag is hugely critical because you're going to be hitting
1: things and you still want that pedaling platform like a lot more compared to a pedal bike. Yeah. And then having that, that same drop-off that we have with Switch Infinity um, after that point, where that anti-squat curve drops off really quickly. And so that's what our goal is, to keep that same, again, shape of the curve, but we want to change the magnitude. Um, and the reason for that is what we just described about biasing towards traction. Yeah. And so, on. A, say, on our uh, SB130 or 150, maybe there's a range of, of uh, anti-squat about SAG, depending on what gear you're in, from, call it, like, 110 to 160%, just roughly. Um, whereas the other critical element, one, we move that down to, to 100 so, um, is a, as a benchmark. So um, the other difference is that they're, depending on what gear you're in, you can have a big difference in what your anti-squat value is. And we knew that on uh, e-bike that you're actually using a bigger range of your cassette So when you're climbing because you just have that power. You're not just always in, in the easiest gear. Um, you're using a wider range of your cassette. So we wanted to make sure that mm-hmm. our anti-squat values were more consistent across that entire band of gears. So we have um, basically, a, a difference between a 100% anti-squat and about 108% anti-squat is the entire um, delta of anti-squat between your entire cassette. So you're going to have a very consistent feel in the anti-squat properties, regardless of what gear you're in.
0: Well, Rocket, how about in your words, how does this bike feel to ride?
2: This bike's amazing to ride. <laughs> it's, I mean, it, 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 all the things that have, that are coming into the equation with e-bike, um, you're seated pedaling a lot more. You're farther down the the cassette when you're pedaling, yeah. And and the way we tuned it, it still has that really nice platform to pedal on. Mm-hmm. But when you're when you're hitting things at speed now, it's it's not going to like hang up and like skip up and over things because you're going so much faster. Um, it really just like it feels like it's like pushing you forward. So you just mm-hmm. keep those pedals spinning, and you just keep accelerating and going going faster up the hill, and um, it's incredibly comfortable. When you're going that fast and hitting things that hard, um, and that's just climbing.
0: It's kind of an interesting time to be coming out with an e-bike because you think about the technology that that was out there five years ago, and it's like how much has it changed in five years. Yes. So beyond, is it was was that part of the strategy? Were you like watching oh, yeah. these other mistakes and then?
2: Hundred um, percent. There's there were so many things that we required. That Out of our e-bike, in order to make one, we had to tick all the boxes, right? Mm -hmm. And previous technology wasn't quite there. Like, we could tick some of them, but it wasn't the full package that we felt like, all right, we we hit the point where we're comfortable designing a bike and getting it out there and having a a true Yeti product out there. Um, When we saw pretty early on the the shimano system and um the the packaging of the motor was smaller the battery size is where yeah. we wanted it um and we're getting there and yeah. yeah and that allows us to do so many other things with the linkage and and fit everything in mm-hmm. and we were like all right we feel like we could get to the finish line with every box ticked okay and that was really the the tipping point for us after looking at it for so long because yeah we weren't in a rush yeah yeah,
1: yeah there's some benefits to not to not being first, you know, seeing what's what's <laughs> happening, and also as that as you mentioned, just having the E platform evolve um, was was really key. And if you look back, you know, at our, our original Mule, you can see what era that that <laughs> yeah. motor and battery was, and and what we kind of had to work with at the time. And uh, so it was, it was pretty unique having, you know, that's where things were at the moment, and then we knew roughly where they were going to be in the next couple of years. And so we were at a, a nice point where we could take the learnings from that odd-looking Mule and um, and you know make something that we have today.
0: One thing I've noticed is Yeti has had a great relationship with Fox suspension. I mean, that's a big part of the Infinity Link, that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. But how did did that relationship continue with with this? Or what what does that look like with the suspension side of it?
1: What, yeah, I'd say it always continues on the suspension side. So I'd say yeah. on the actual linkage was a bit unique this time where they weren't involved there. Um, other one, yeah, other than yeah, the, <laughs> you know, the suspension and tuning deeply involved. So um, just a little bit different in terms of the linkage, but our same um, protocol and how we work with Fox and their ability to work with us on on tuning and so on was was key. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think one of the unique things uh, about Yeti is that. We have the ability to do our own tuning, so um, you know that's not true. Uh, I'd say with, with likely every Fox customer. So um, you know, again, our relationship with Fox goes back to you know 20 plus years, and and, um, and they're unique to to our designs. Yeah. And so the the cool thing here is we have. So Dave zigman is our um, basically our test rider. He was a, a pro racer as well. Um, yeah. Also does all of our ride testing um, you know, for the initial part at least. Um, and so he um, has the ability. So we have a dyno in house. Um, and we just tinker. So we have the ability to actually go inside, change the valving mm-hmm. ourselves, and we're not just using a stock tune from Fox. So we're basically going through this cycle again, not only on the suspension side, um, in terms of the linkage and so yeah. on, but also on the suspension side in terms of tuning. Um, and so we're going through a lot of it. I mean, many, I think we were at like 20 plus on this. 20 on this. plus per, and we have two shock specs. No way. So it took, I mean, it, and, okay. and one
2: cycle test cycle, you know, yeah. you set something out based on, you know, how we designed the bike, goes out and rides it comes back like all right i'm gonna tweak this and just iterate and yeah. like yeah. open up a shock change all the stacks <laughs> like purge it get Whoa. it back going put it on there go do another test lap like it's it's not a quick process and it takes a lot of iteration a lot of time and um that's one of the things i think you know because fox is i mean they're catering to all the brands right yeah. they need to make a product that works on so many different platforms well, we have one very specific platform. Yeah. So we want to make sure that we have one very specific shock. And that's where the relationship um, has been great over the years because, you know, in the end, we have to have their approval. It's not like we're just doing whatever <laughs> we want and be like, do you guys are doing this? Like, they need to sign off and make sure that everything's copacetic with what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's been a really cool relationship over the years just to, to, to lean on and allow us to get what we want, like, fully out of our bikes.
1: Yeah, just one more lever that we can fine tune to yeah. you know, make the best bike possible. Well,
0: I gotta say, from a consumer's perspective, when you just pop on the website and you can see that calculator, mm-hmm. you just like you you put in mm-hmm. your bike, uh, the suspension, your your weight, mm-hmm. and it just comes out with even tire pressure. But it actually comes out <laughs> yeah. with suspension because what I found is the first Yeti I ever rode it was not correctly set up like the suspension was mm-hmm. was not correct for me and honestly it didn't ride very well yeah. traction oh. was way off was getting bounced all over and i actually didn't have a very good experience <laughs> <laughs> year later i set it up correct and it's like oh yeah. that makes a lot of sense
1: that's, that's huge <laughs> yeah sag alone yeah, yeah. And i say like a, a huge effort in it it's not like um this really simple algorithm where we come out with put your weight in and it spits out these numbers. There's there's a lot of effort on the engineering side <laughs> right, to do that. Yeah, It's a little bit and, more than that. Yeah, yeah. Shout, shout out to, so Patrick Russell does um, yeah. does that for us and, and along with, with Dave Zygman as well. So um, all that fine tuning of, you know, we're literally weighing everybody at Yeti on on their frames, what's their sag point. We're getting a lot of data points, um, not only on, on sag and air pressure, but on damping as well. And so mm-hmm. there's a lot of logic that goes into that. You can obviously, obviously it's a starting point. You can always t- um, tweak and kind of tinker from there depending on your on uh, your specific needs but it's a great starting point and uh, we try to do that work up front for the customer
2: and there's and there will be there's now a kind of help page that we're adding to it to oh, kind of cool. help explain like if you're feeling this this is where you want to go because it's totally like a starting right. point with ranges cool and it's but the whole the whole, getting into the suspension theory and <laughs> your personal ride style and where you ride in the train and everything like You could ride one setup here and it's perfect, but you have to change everything in another setup. So it's really hard to convey that much complexity, but we feel like we have a nice, um, concise thing to help people really dial in their suspension. It's like, well, I'm feeling this in this situation. Okay, let's try this click. How about the simple question on this
0: e-bike is how did you land on how much range of suspension? Like uh, it's a 160 in the rear, right? Mm -hmm. And then how much in the front? 170. How did you land on that?
2: Race team. Yeah. We're building a race bike. So we worked with them, and, um, I mean, if you look at it, like, at the time, I mean, there weren't really any e-race bikes specifically developed for that. Um, There were some e-bikes that are longer travel, but we felt like it really didn't um, tick all the boxes. Um, So, uh, you know, after doing that, talking to the race team and, you know, our highly winning SB150, that bike was a really good foundation of like, all right, that's okay. a that's a world class enduro bike. Yeah. What applies to E and a lot did. Um, so we, we took that to inform the decision and, and kinda combine like the whole E element with the with our enduro pedal bike. And yeah, it's I mean, yeah, you can go longer, um, you can go slacker, you can do I mean you can change everything, but we built it for the racers to go fast yeah. and they felt like that was the spot. Um, that they wanted to be in. Yeah,
0: 29 inch wheels. 29 inch, and that's,
2: yeah. I mean, Stretch can touch on the rear, because there's definitely like, when we started development and we were looking yeah. at it, yeah. all bikes were 27.5, <laughs> yeah. and now like you see all the, the mullet bikes. yeah. Or wait, I think, can't say mullet, it's 27.5, mixed wheel size. Yeah, we
0: understand what that is. Yes, yes.
2: <laughs> Um So yeah, rear 27.5, front 29, um, and a lot of that's packaging. Like It's really hard to fit a big wheel
1: mm-hmm. in the
2: back, and a drive unit Mm -hmm. and long travel like getting all things to work together and not have something running into the other thing.
1: And a shorter chain stick. And short, yeah, thank you. Short yeah. chain How does stairs. that
0: all work? <laughs> <laughs> how does it, do you, like, do you draw things out on a board? Do you have a whiteboard? Or, like, how does it all work?
1: You know, I guess more CAD these days, but a little yeah. bit of scratching as well. Yeah, uh, scratching <laughs> as well. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it, the bigger wheel is definitely uh, a challenge. And it's, um, you know, one that we wanted to make sure that we we hit. So it's it's definitely easier to go um 275 in the rear in terms of packaging, but it was one of the, the requests from the race team as well to, to mm-hmm. stick with 29. And so it was definitely a primary focus to, you know, how uh, get, uh, you know, another constraint on top of all the other constraints of what we had to work around.
0: Mm-hmm. Rocket, I hear Stretch talk about packaging a lot. He loves <laughs> yeah. to talk about packaging. <laughs> how, how do you sound like, what does is, what is a, a good looking packaging mean? <laughs> and I don't want Stretch to answer that.
2: You do not want Stretch to answer yeah. a good looking package. Um, <laughs> Well, it depends on the project. I mean, when you when you think about designing a bike frame, and you have to get so many different things bolted on that we don't necessarily make, and yeah. there's so many options out there. Yeah, we try to accommodate as much as we can, and specifically with the drive unit and a battery, smaller's the better because we're trying to optimize our kinematics. And I think we mentioned it earlier, like that. Drive unit takes up a lot of real estate. Like if you look at, I mean, that's where the switch infinity typically goes. So when that's gone, um, what do we do? Mm-hmm. We really did this ground up approach to get to six infinity or six sixfinity. Um, but if we have a big motor, everything needs to move out. And sometimes it can't. So smaller packaging, <laughs> yeah. Typically is better depending on the application, but it's, it's, it's very specific to where you're looking at the bike. Yeah. So like the packaging, um, of a, of a crank arm. We look at that because, yeah. you know, there's a lot of things that thing, it could potentially hit as it spins around. So we need to make sure we have clearance for everything. It's just, I mean, every part has its own limitations and you really need to consider it. And with an e-bike, there's so many more things to look at.
1: I'd say like from my perspective to you is, is, um, I think the ultimate challenge that we have, um, We kind of have this nerdery back end of what's happening, how the bike is actually functioning, uh, what performance we're trying to get out of the bike, but we also want it to, to look good and so you have this usually those are pretty contradicting uh, asks <laughs> yeah. where um you know oftentimes you have maybe a great looking bike maybe it doesn't perform very well or vice versa so the the ultimate challenge again is having the performance having the nerdery in the background that maybe not everyone cares about but we do um have that actually occurring while still having a bike that looks good and still has all those packaging constraints i said it again mm-hmm. uh, like water bottle water bottle in the front try yeah right? thank um, you that's, uh, huge. <laughs> that's of, a big deal yeah, yeah. Uh, a piggyback shock uh, yeah also all these things that <laughs> everything's working against you from a design perspective, but Tired we're trying to change. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah chainstay.
2: Exactly. You got to fit a chainstay. Right.
1: So you have all these okay. all these challenges, and you're trying to again achieve the ideal kinematics uh also you know we didn't even talk about like structure right so how yeah. you know what what's the stiffness of the frame how what's the interface of the bearings the longevity of, of all those interfaces and so you have a, a lot of constraints that you're that are tied into this entire package of bike design which makes it really fun right so yeah. from an engineering perspective it's, it's sort of like half art half engineering um and you're combining those two and trying to, to make the best product you can and it's what makes it really fun mm-hmm.
0: Well, I've got a couple more questions, but maybe this is where Stretch can come in <laughs> mm-hmm. and make uh, Rocket and I just sound like total idiots. So before we started, Stretch comes in and printed off two pages each for, for all three of us. And I'm looking at, on the right-hand side, there's a circle with some numbers on, on both of these pieces of paper. On the left side, I can see a frame. I can see like a front triangle, rear, rear triangle... And I can kind of think I can understand where this is going, but Stretch, why don't you uh, why don't you put us to work
1: here? Yeah. I th- so again, bear with us if you uh, there's probably not many people that are super interested here, but if you are, more power to you. Um, so I, I just think it's helpful um, to kind of go through this process. A lot of this is pretty elementary in terms of the the logic here, um, but I think if you're interested in terms of uh, what a six-bar linkage means, and we haven't really even gotten into that on, on Sixfinity, but I think this is helpful um, from kind of starting from the very beginning of you know, what is a linkage first of all? Maybe we start there. So Yeah, let's do that. So what's a linkage, right? <laughs> so you have um, a series of, of bodies, they're sometimes called bars, bodies, uh, members, um, and they're, uh, theoretically, they're completely rigid. So like, for instance, on uh, SB130, you have your front triangle as a bar. You yeah. have your swing arm, which is a bar or a body. And then you have your upper link, and yeah. then you have the switch-infinity mechanism, which is kind of unique. So we're going to kind of ignore that situation for this this homework problem because it's a little bit uh, the next stage. Um, but a so a linkage, again, going back to that, you have a series of, of bodies or members that are pivotably connected to each other, and they're, the goal of it is, is a, it's a mechanism, right? So you want to get some useful uh, attribute out of that mechanism. So. Um, In the case of a a mountain bike, your rear suspension or your your whole frame is is a linkage. Mm -hmm. And so the goal of that linkage is one, first one is to constrain your wheel to one degree of freedom. So you have your wheel going about a path, right? So if you think about a single pivot, it's really easy. Your wheel is going about that arc. And you don't want your wheel to move in an area or a volume because then you're going to get some pretty weird, (laughs) weird behaviors. So (laughs) the first step is constraining the wheel to one degree of freedom okay okay that's the very first step second step is to control your leverage rate so uh, you know what is the movement at your shock relative to the movement at the rear wheel that's the next thing that you're that's useful for that linkage <clears throat> and then the two other things there's more about just to make it simple is we care about the dynamics of the bike so how is it behaving when you're accelerating mm-hmm. and how is it behaving when you're decelerating yeah so acceleration would be relative to anti squat deceleration would be relative to anti rise and then leverage rate Obviously, which we discussed is, is sort of how uh, the the leverage or the mechanical advantage of the of the the wheel relative to the to the mm-hmm. shock. And so the reason why we kind of started there is to then go into how a six-bar linkage is different. And so it's easier to start with smaller numbers, so we'll start with a four-bar. Um, so on this, I think <coughs> you're there, and you're Got listening, it. and you've gotten this far, and you actually are willing to get into some nerdery here. So <laughs> literally, what we have here on a piece of paper is a chicken scratch triangle for the front triangle yeah a uh, this is a four bar linkage so just think of like a, a typical um, uh, four bar linkage yeah so you have a uh, in this case a uh, rear swing arm which we have here in blue we have a front triangle in, re- in uh, black sorry and we have an upper link in red short link and a an, uh, lower link in green here so the first thing if you want to do just label these links so <laughs> okay. front triangle we're just going to put a one okay that's the first link okay Alright, rear triangle, we're going to put a 2, okay? And then it doesn't matter what you want to do, the upper link just put a 3, and the lower link is a 4. That's so a you think of like a short, dual link bike, which you okay. can picture several of them out there. Front triangle is body 1, that's the suspended body that you're sitting on. Mm-hmm. Rear triangle, body 2, and in this case um, your wheel and your brake are connected to body 2. Right. Yep. And then you have uh, the upper link and the lower link, 3 and 4. All right, so the next thing you have is a circle to the right of this this mm-hmm. front triangle. And if you just go clockwise and write 1, 2, 3, 4. So on the top of the circle, write 1. At 3 o'clock, write 2. 6 o'clock, write 3. 9 o'clock, write 4. All right, <clears throat> so why does this matter? And you get into the nuances of the difference of a 4 and a 6 bar is ultimately the goal here. But the first thing we're going to do is you look at these numbers on the outside of the circle represent the bodies or the links of the 4-bar linkage. Now what we're going to do is talk about... This fun word called uh, IVCs or instantaneous velocity centers. All right, so we'll get into that more. But what we're trying to do right now is define that. You more commonly kind of referred to as you've heard of BBP and virtual pivot point. Yeah. We're going to get kind of nerdy and talk about the the what you talk about in school. So IVCs. So now let's draw a line from. Oh, let's let's talk about first, I guess. So look at your swing arm. Um, Mm -hmm. Actually, let's go back. Let's look at link three and four. Yeah. We know that link three is connected to the front triangle. Yes. So let's draw a line from 1 to 3. Oh, I understand. All right. Now, you know link 4 right, also connected to the front triangle. So draw a line from 1 to 4. All right, now we know that uh, the swing arm is connected to both 3 and 4. So draw a line from 2 to 3 and from 2 to 4. OK. So each one of these lines that you're drawing on this circle graph is an IVC. And the next thing to know is that the number of IVCs in a linkage is n times n minus one divided by two. n is the number of links. So we have a four-bar linkage. Yeah. So four times four minus one is four times three. is twelve. Divided by two is six. So you have six IVCs that are in a four-bar linkage. Okay? How many did we draw here? We drew only four. Yeah. So let's draw some dotted lines to represent the other two. So if you draw a dotted line from 3 to 4, and a dotted line from 1 to 2, OK? So all the solid ones are very easy to know where they're located. So yeah. every solid line is just the pivot between those two bodies. So for instance, if you want to look at um, the IBC 1, 4, look at, look at the interface between 1 and 4, where the lower link um, mounts to the front triangle. Yeah. That's just your pivot, that's your IVC. Yeah. And what's important is that it's the IVC, meaning it's the, how How does that body move relative to the other body? So how is one moving relative to four for IVC 1, 4? But, all right, we're getting kind of full circle here. So why, what IVC do we care about is the, is the question. And so when we talked about anti-squat and anti-rise, we care about one particular IVC and which IVC is that? It's the IVC of the, uh, well, first thing to note is what member or body is the wheel connected to let's start there we know the wheel is connected to the swing arm yeah so we care about from the dyna- dynamic standpoint what um what is the ivc from swing ar- the swing arm relative to the front triangle so ivc one two yeah that's two, one. the one that we yeah. care about so if you were to plot that migration of that ivc as you go through the travel that's what's dictating the anti properties of that bike yes and so to derive that and find that ivc we know, <laughs> it's a little bit tricky if you have it drawn here, but there's two little triangles that you just drew that are kind of harder to see. So if you look at your triangle one, three, two. Yeah. And then you also drew a triangle one, four, two. Yeah. Those two um, IBC groups are what are defining and deriving IBC one, two. Yes. So in layman's terms, if you go and you draw a line through your upper pivot, and you draw a line through your lower pivot, and where they intersect, that is IVC one two. Okay. So that's a long process but ultimately why we're doing this is to look at again a six bar linkage next and how it differs. Yes. And so what you need to know is that obviously again one two how is the swing arm moving relative to the front triangle is what we care about and that is um, the variable that we use to define and derive anti-squat. Okay. And in this case well in this particular bike because the brake is also connected to the the rear swing arm it also is actually how we're driving anti-rise so one of the important things is that when you're looking at a suspension design is what body or member is the wheel connected to what body or member is the brake connected to or the Mm -hmm. caliper and that's because you're looking at maybe two different IVCs depending on the suspension design Um, all right
0: this is simple as when you're riding downhill you pull your brake and your suspension doesn't work as well yeah (laughs) Yeah. exactly okay
1: exactly (laughs) (laughs) all right so now on the next page and the logic here is, to see, one, to see how much more complicated a six-bar is. Yeah. And, and also, you know, the, the complexity there is is to our advantage. So we have ultimately what we care about in that last four-bar um, uh, design that we talked about is that we care about the movement of that swing arm mm-hmm. because that's what's dictating the, the performance of the bike and dynamically. And so the more control you have of how that swing arm is moving, the more control you have on your theory of how you want that bike to perform on from an anti-squat or anti-rise perspective. So
0: just to, just so I've got this, the four bar is super similar to a VPP,
1: right? And this, what we drew here, yes. Yeah,
0: and that's that's super common. It's been around, but
1: uh, Specialized or Santa Cruz owns that. Uh, Santa Cruz area, it's it's been okay. around for quite a while. But we've seen this. This is this is common in a lot of bikes. Correct. Yeah, use that as an as an example, just because I think it's easier to visualize. Okay, so
0: this bike does this not have the 4 bar, does correct. not this have the a, VPP. Correct, this is <laughs> a, a 6 bar. <laughs> yeah, and, yeah. You know, this is where t- our t- next page. I you guess like bars. to
1: clarify, it has many VPPs, yeah. but we're going to call those IVCs instead. Yes, okay. All right, so now we have, a, a, a again, a very simple line drawing of the 160E there, yeah. uh, of each each body. So let's go through and label those bodies. Yeah. So we go to the front triangle, we'll one. call that 1. <clears throat> and we're going to go to the seat stay, the blue one, we're going to call that so 2. So seat stay is number 2. Yep. Then we're going to go down to uh, the lower link, the green one, we're going to call that three. Okay. The chainstay, we're going to call four. The upper rocker link, we're going to call five. And the timing link, we're calling it six.
0: So the timing link is that little bar that we can see Correct. that goes through. So the timing link is,
1: is six, and then the lower so link, which we're calling the switch link, is, is um, three. And so okay. we didn't talk about that, We'll get into the details there, but that switch link is switching directions just like switch infinity throughout the travel right. and it's doing that based off of the timing link's position. Okay. And we care about okay. that is cuz it's it's basically dictating how that anisotropic curve looks and has a similarity to to switch infinity. So the first thing you know is that there's there's more there's two more links, right? Mm-hmm. It's more complicated there. Yeah. And so if you go through we're going to do the, the same thing, you can go we don't necessarily okay. have to do it here, but The key thing, if you go back to that n times n minus 1 divided by 2, so we have 6 bars, and then you go 6 times 5 is 30, divided by 2 is 15. So the key difference, first of all, is that you have 15 IVCs as opposed to 6 with a 4-bar linkage. Okay. Okay, so that's maybe the the key thing there. Yeah. And so in essence, we have more ability to manipulate the the body or the member that we care about that has to do with dynamics. When you have a 6-bar, you have a lot more going on. Um, and so having a lot more going on gives you more ability to tune for, again, your, your specific goals. Right. Especially when you have really difficult packaging um, concerns. Packaging. Packaging, packaging. yeah. So, <laughs> a lot going on. Yeah. So when all of a sudden you lose your real estate um, physically, yeah, you, to, have to. you can do okay. it virtually. So we can create a system that behaves how we want to without having the physical real estate we want by doing it with these virtual IBCs. Right. OK. Okay. <laughs> hey, keep going, sir. I just right. witnessed a mind blowing. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Right. So the, let's do it one more time. I'm getting this. We'll do yeah. the circle diagram because I think it's, it's worth it. All right, so let's go to um, the circle diagram. And we're going to go body 1, 3. So let's look at the green body. Okay. We know that the green body is 3. Yeah. And that body 3 is connected to body 1. So we can so draw a line from 1 to 3. We can also draw a line from 3 to 4. And we can also draw a line from 3 to 6. And let's go to four. Four, we know we can go three or four, we already did. you can also go two to four. And now let's go up the top, we'll look at link five. Five, you can do two, five. And you can do five, six. Oh, man. And you can do five, one. <laughs> and that's basically what we have. So, got a
0: mess of lines all over the circle. <laughs> so if you
1: count, count the lines that we just drew, you have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. We can really easily find seven of the 15 IBCs. Easy, yeah. Because they're just right there. They're all the connection points. If you actually finish this, as Rocket likes to call the pentagram, if you actually finish it, you connect every single possibility you have there. So like, say, one to six, and one to two, and every single line. So just, if you just do those with dotted lines, like we did on the, on yeah. the four bar, Yeah. Those are going to be the remaining IVCs that exist, but you have to have to be derived an alternate method than we described prior. Got it. And so the the goal here, is, you know, we can get into a lot more details, but it's, we won't have the time. Um, but what I wanted to try to represent is that one, um, you can't determine the IVC as easily as yeah. you can on a four bar. Yeah. So on a four bar, you can obviously go through those two links and find the intersection. We, you basically do the same thing, it just requires more steps ahead of time. Um, and so the, the point of this is that you have a lot more, um, the, the the motion of that seat stay in our case, which has our wheel mounted to it and our brake mounted to it. So the control that we have on anti-squat and anti-rise is much more um, tunable, we have much more control than we would with the four bar. Mm-hmm. And so the interrelationships between all these IBCs, these 15 as opposed to the, the six that we had before, Is really critical. So we'd have what we on the 160E is what I'd call a true six bar, meaning that we, that seat stay again, which our wheel and brake is connected to, the motion of that seat stay is derived by all the other five links. If you take one of those links away, you won't have one degree of freedom anymore. Yeah. And so, that's important because we have that added control. There are other six bars out there too. There's there's some that are true six bars. There are some that are not. I would call a non-true six bar um, where you have a basically a four bar linkage to derive the motion of the wheel path or the brake caliper, mm-hmm. um, but then two other bars to maybe um, give six bar control of say the leverage rate. So you have um, different different methods of, or different ways to use a six bar to your advantage. And In our case, we are using it to give the most um, Ability to tune our anti-rise and our leverage rate as well. So rocket.
0: <laughs> the hardest part on this whole project wasn't putting a battery in a bike. The hardest part was de- redeveloping the Sixfinity link and having smooth rear travel. Like is that that's the part that stands out here?
2: I mean, yeah, it was. It was one of the things that, with all the all the new requirements that an e-bike has, mm-hmm. is being able to achieve them all because we could definitely take say a four bar and get some of the attributes yeah Yeah. but you're going to sacrifice somewhere yes so you could you could get some of the elements that you wanted to out of the or we wanted to out of the system but there's always going to be something that we couldn't quite nail whereas six bars a six bar system allows you to kind of achieve everything you want or at least everything we wanted out of this and really nail the kinematics cool so oh man this is just like my mind is getting blown i get it now
0: (laughs) That just it took an hour it took an hour this is why we went this way this is why the linkage looks this way Mm -hmm. (laughs) it's so much more than just putting a battery on a bike
2: yeah and it i mean it's and there's so many i mean you look at how complex it is yeah like you can go down the completely wrong hole and have a really terrible riding bike and that's that's one of the things like because there's so much complex complexity to this really nailing it is incredibly difficult Mm
1: -hmm. yeah i think it's a a good point so like you have there's different six bar linkages out there and you're like oh i think to the layman who doesn't care getting as nerdy as we do um you're like oh it's a six bar linkage it's, it's going to do the same thing but a, a very minuscule change to one of those pivot points or lengths can have a, a extremely drastic change in how the bike is performing um and so that's uh i think a key element here so when you have visually it's, it's harder to describe when mm-hmm. when again, to get into the layman you're like oh it's a six bar it's a six bar um but if you look ultimately what's going to tell you about the behavior of the bike is looking at those curves so look at your anti-squat curve look at your anti-rise curve look at your leverage rate curve and to me that's the sort of the ultimate way to compare Mm -hmm. Um, at least you have a tangible mathematical way to quantify a difference in suspension and then obviously there's tons of subjective subjectivity and preference and so on after that point but what we try to make sure we're doing is is focusing on that quantitative side that we can back up theoretically and then we can have a direction to change if we want to change we know quantitatively how we can make a difference and how that then, quantitative difference um, basically is uh, relates to a qualitative change. Um, and so, a couple of things we didn't talk about on, on Sixfinity is one, um, again, I'm gonna say packaging again. Again, <laughs> it's fun. It's the packaging. Yeah. Um, but so, with, with Switch Infinity, we knew right away that one, we didn't have the real estate to, to, yeah. to have the geometry that we wanted. It wasn't an option. And also, we don't have as much flexibility to make these kinematic changes that we care about. So again, to reduce, so like for instance, reducing anti-squat but keeping the same profile, the same curve shape, wouldn't have been possible. So you have a motor in that location, the higher your your kind of main pivot area, typically the higher your your anti-squat. Our purpose was to solely actually reduce anti-squat. So it wasn't wasn't an option there. The other thing we wanted to do was to reduce anti-rise, which we haven't talked about, but with the added weight of the bike, we wanted to make sure that we were, again, biasing slightly more towards traction. Not too much, um, so there's this fine line of what is your anti-rise value. We don't need to get into the total details there, but in short, our pedal bikes, our normal traditional bikes are about 100% anti-rise, but very consistent across the entire uh, range of travel. Mm-hmm. Our e-bikes are, again, very consistent, but the magnitude is reduced. So we're at about 65% anti-rise as opposed to 100. And so we're trying to find this balance where, um, it's all about balance, right? So if you're at 100%, you have, you're really preserving the geometry of your chassis as you're as you're braking. Um, but as a result of that uh, preservation of your geometry, you have a little bit less traction yeah. um, because you have a little less freedom for your swing arm to, to move how it wants to. Um, but on a new bike, we wanted to, again, bias that a bit slightly towards traction, so we reduce that magnitude. Again, something that we wouldn't have been able to do in this particular case with with Switch Infinity. So uh more the kind of ammo as to why we went this direction and looking at six bars yeah and then at the same time the third thing you're trying to do is control your leverage rate we know that we want to have a leverage rate that is similar again we have all these analogies to switch infinity because it's true but we have a very linear um, leverage rate meaning not the slope of the curve, but how straight it is. Um, So you can have a linear and progressive leverage rate, which is still, I think, confusing to a lot of people, Uh, but the curve is very straight, but it is progressive. So it has slope to it, meaning that you have more mechanical advantage at the beginning of the curve and less later in the curve. And so it's important that we have that linear shape too, because it's one, predictable, and um, you don't have a a really quick change in sensation across the travel, it's very consistent, Um, and also really aids in shock tuning. Um but we also wanted to have more progression than we do on our pedal bikes. And uh, the reason, the logic for that is that a couple things. One, the bike is heavier, so mm-hmm. you can use that at kind of quicker ramp and spring rate to help the bike stay poppy and playful when it is that and when you have that added weight. And two, you're seated more often, you're yep. going faster. Yeah. You want to have a bit more supple suspension during that situation. And so again, um, we take these parallels of what we learned on switch affinity and try to um, develop a system that achieves the things we want with with Sixfinity. And having a six bar linkage and a unique one in the fact that, again, we keep a similar behavior to switch infinity where we have that lower link now, instead of the switch infinity mechanism, switching directions and moving up and moving down. Now the lower link is doing that and the timing link is controlling that movement. So you still have that same anti-squat behavior, um, but you have a very different anti-rise behavior, which is actually pretty cool. So you can have two bikes that have identical anti-squat curves, Mm -hmm. um, but very different anti-rise curves. And so we kept, if you look at like our, I um, think we're getting more, more terms here, but your instantaneous center of curvature, which is another way to look at your anti-squat or to drive your anti-squat, which we won't get into details there. But um, if you look at that on this particular bike, the ICC is very similar, instantaneous center of curvature is very similar to our switch infinity bikes, but our IVC migration is very different. And so what that tells me is a good way to compare bikes when you're, when you're looking at the ICC and the IVC yeah. um, and you look at the migration of those curves, you can inst- very quickly compare and, and look at a difference between two bikes. So knowing that our I- ICC is very similar to Switch Infinity and our IVC is different, we know that our anti-rise behavior is going to be much different than our anti-squat behavior. But we're keeping the same anti-squat behavior, if that makes sense
0: all i can think is that my expectations for how smooth this is going to be is so high <laughs> and i just have to thank you for making me a better rider as soon as i get to ride this thing what is it like so that the next steps is i understand that jared graves is going to be racing this in europe yes so what is it like to see a world-class athlete actually put it to the test like how, how does that go do you check in do you watch or are you on to the next project what, what is that like
1: I let I, I, the rocket. Oh, dance we there, yeah. yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> it's a little bit of both. Jared, I mean. if you don't
2: win, it's not the bike's <laughs> fault. <laughs> I mean, we're looking at I mean, stage times. I mean, yeah. every, yes, of course, we're going to be watching that like crazy. Um, and it's I mean, it doesn't mean I mean even if we're not watching a, a bike launch at a race, we're yeah. watching every single race. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's 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 one of the coolest things that we're able to take. I mean, something from nothing. Mm-hmm. develop it over years and then have it under some of the most elite, fastest athletes that have the highest demands out of any product out there and prove it there.
1: Yeah. And I think too like looking back, back historically um, you know what Jared Graves, so we go back we pretty much started at Yeti at really the almost the same time within a, within a year Cool. and so like uh, most of the, of the bikes that he um, has been riding you know, obviously there's a, a period of time where he wasn't here but <laughs> yeah. um, you know we have we have a really tight relationship on, on our development process and so uh, almost every I mean every Yeti bike that he's ridden I've, I've basically had a, a hand in and so we have a really tight relationship there in terms of the feedback and, and how we go about designing a bike and what his expe- expectations are and I know that you know he's someone that can you know we'll, literally we're shaving off like half millimeters off of his head to because that's what he wanted and so okay. um, having someone that's as kind of particular about their bikes and being able to get feedback mm-hmm. and then kind of my general personality of, of wanting to get into things in the into as much detail as I can really is, is helpful to get the final product that we're that we're after. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's like the, the, sim, the simplicity of it
0: is all I can see is how this is going to make my experience better. So maybe I haven't fully understood everything stretch, but I have to throw so much enthusiasm and gratitude for making this, like, bike experience just uh, incredible. I can't wait to jump on this bike. <laughs> I can't wait to ride this thing. I I mean, Rocket, I, I, I want to hear from you really quickly. From my perspective, um, e-bikes, just seeing what's happening in Europe, is, is it's going to take over. Like, this is do you think we're going to laugh at these um what do we call are they wee bikes the ones without electricity to it um are we going to laugh at that old school or where do you think things are going no
2: it's going to be really interesting to see how it folds out i mean europe has definitely um been much more progressive on adopting them yeah um i I don't know what it is just maybe it's how they're set up i mean you could go out there right now and like ride up to mid-mountain, plug your bike into a charging station, rip a little espresso, and then go back out and rip some more laps. Yeah. So it's it's a completely different mindset there. US has definitely been slower, I mean, there's a lot of land issues and just where can you ride these. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's coming. It's it, gotta be coming. No, I, I, yeah. I think it's more of we've just taken the time to, to properly understand them. And, and there are so many different applications that you can use these, I mean, you can race them. I mean, it's great on weekends, I mean, I have a family. And, you know, the wife doesn't like me going out on giant six hour yeah. rides every weekend, but I could go out there and do that same lap a lot quicker. Yeah. Uh, and have just as much fun and, and not be so tired that I, I can't come back and play with the kiddo. So, but it, I mean, there's so many different applications. And I think a lot of people who, who, see what they are and just don't fully understand them maybe it's because they don't they haven't ridden them yeah um, that's one of the things as soon as someone jumps on this is like okay it's
0: <laughs> I get it yeah it's <laughs>
2: it's pretty cool I mean some people still I won't sway them but I mean it's so much fun to get on one of these bikes and just I mean in the end we're out there having fun riding bikes yeah like I mean how right. can you not have fun on this I would add
1: to that like, they just they they really complement each other well so yeah. you know I think having you know when you have the luxury to have more than one bike but um, having both an e-bike and a, and a mm-hmm. traditional bike is, is a really cool combination because you know you have days where you've you know, maybe you've ridden a bunch on, the, on your normal bike and you're pretty tired. like Normally, you maybe wouldn't ride that day. You're taking a rest day. Well, well, you can just jump on your e-bike. Um, and I think also your skill sets are different. Like when you ride an e-bike and you ride your pedal bike, you kind of gain different sides of the spectrum of skill. Yeah. And, and then when you're riding both of them, you just become a better rider. So um, I think even if you're – uh, person that's like, alright, I don't want to ride any bike, I'm, I'm just a traditional pedal bike guy, um, and if you if you add it to uh, you know your bikes that you have or your, your rhythm of how you're riding bikes, it just makes you a better biker and you just end up riding more. So if you are an enthusiast and you, and you care a bunch about riding, I think it just, again, makes you a better rider and it gives you more time. In the saddle, and and I think it's a really cool combination.
0: The first thing that I would see is like, especially the riding around here. You're going up Hall Ranch or any any climb out the front country feels like you're just grinding on your knees. But you jump yeah. on an e bike, you, you eliminate the grind. and You get two laps out of it. Mm-hmm. Like you're still getting a workout. Yeah, <laughs> it's like you're not. It's not making that making.
2: There, yeah. there is a mode switch, so you don't have to be in the highest <laughs> yeah. mode the whole time. Like you can drop it down and like get a proper workout. So. Yeah. But you have that luxury to just bump it up a little.
0: What I've noticed is it's hard to own an e-bike on your own like if you don't if you don't have an e-bike mm-hmm. with your homies you're kind of out riding by yourself. Mm-hmm. But I can see in North America changing here pretty quick, especially like yeti freaks. I'm sure there's going to be a few freaks out there getting these, but you guys notice that it's it definitely has to be a community
1: buy-in or you're riding by yourself. It's hard to do to mix I, it. I get a little bit like I think to Rocket's example, like if I have a short window of time yeah. and I want to ride then and I'm going to ride by myself, it's it's really cool for that. So, but I do agree like obviously, you know, riding some riding going on a going to ride when you're on an e-bike and someone's not on an e-bike or on a, on a Nutritional bike it's you know that doesn't work obviously yeah so. it's hard to
2: just throttle down and just soft pedal with yeah <laughs> i mean they yeah. might not like that because you'll just be chatting away but yeah <laughs>
0: um well i can't wait to get on this thank you guys for the years that it took to bring into this i'm excited to see how this category is going to go i mean obviously this looks incredible um but um, maybe i'll take this as an opportunity of being back here can you also let me know what else you guys are working on <laughs> Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nope <laughs> seen their eyes. Yeah, there's,
1: some, there's some closed doors for a reason but yeah mm-hmm. al- always working on something and having fun with it and, and as, a, as I was describing before I think that's one of the coolest luxuries of, of being an employer and being in the engineering department is that we have that fun ability to, to tinker and play around with ideas and concepts um, e- even on the side of our production bikes and so we're constantly doing that and having fun with it
0: All right, that's it. The new bike is out. I still haven't been able to swing my leg over one. But when I do, I'm going to find myself appreciating it so much more after this conversation. It's so cool to see what goes on behind the scenes. And I truly believe this is going to be the future of mountain biking, e-biking. I mean, why not? Sure, Yeti is later to the game, but it all kind of feels like this is just the start. This was fun. I really enjoyed finally having an interview in person. It was fun to bring the podcast to headquarters and I'm excited to bring you a whole lot more. Of course, if Yeti has me back. So thanks a ton for tuning in and thanks for the feedback. Keep it coming. See y'all on the trails. No matter what category bike you're on, keep her pinned.